0: Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. This series is called Hashtag Church for a reason. The church has, in the last few decades, really sort of taken it on the chin, and maybe deservedly so in some ways. And and you, and you, we're hearing nowadays more and more of, of a church that has not got a great reputation. Church is boring. It's a place filled with people who are judgmental and negative. It's um, it's exclusive. It leaves some people feeling excluded. It's over-organized. People say, I don't like organized religion. They just want your money. It's full of hypocrites. You've heard these things. If you're a guest or if you're anyone like me who came from outside of Christianity as I did, you maybe have even thought some of these things. I know I still think some of these things at times, and I'm the pastor of a church. And so as we dive into this next three weeks, which is all about church, I was asking myself, is that really what church is supposed to be like, or is there a a better way? Is there, is there a church that is, that is not these things, or at least if they are these things, they, they know that this is not the way God intends for his church to be? I have a video I want to roll, because I think this video perfectly paints the kind of church that Crosswalk is striving to be, the kind of church that we want to To be with you, not just for you, but with you, because it's all of us that make this kind of church happen. So let's roll that video and just ask ourselves, is this a good description of our church? And if it is, great, let's keep going. If not, what do we need to do to get there? My church is open and inviting. My church is a place where there's always going to be a merciful response to what I'm going through. They accept me for who I am. I can come regardless of what's going on in my life. It's a place where I feel safe. My church is a place of forgiveness. It's grace-filled. It's a place where there's mercy for me. My church is a great place to learn about God. There's always something new, and I always seem to relate to what is going on. My church is one of the most creative and inspiring places that I go every week, sometimes twice. It's a place where my kids have a great time, and they're learning, and I know that they are safe. My church is a place where I can come and use my talents and can help other people. My church is a place of healing. Just gives us that extra support that sometimes is hard to ask for. Anything I go through, there's other people and probably a group that are going through it too, and I can join with them. My church is open and inviting. It's grace-filled. Fun, loving, creative, peaceful, healing, accepting, real, full of God, invigorating, welcoming, freeing, honest. It's a place where God is alive. It's my soft place to fall. My church is where my family started a story. It's a place of hope, healing, forgiveness, and grace. My church brought me back to life. It's a place that I will always call home. I especially love that last line, a place that I will always call home. And I certainly hope for and wish that over the last 10 years of Crosswalk Church, we have, we have built a place that you can always call home, Crosswalk Church. But how does that happen? How, how do we go from being just an institution, a group of admittedly sinful people who are fallen and often all too selfish into building a church that people would describe the way the people in that video described they're my church. I, I want to answer that by saying that there have been churches like that very much. Even in the Bible, there have been churches like that. And I want to lead you this morning into uh, uh, some churches in the book of Acts. And that's why I said Acts chapter 11. One of the churches that we have intentionally uh, modeled ourselves after is the first church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And if you want to see a description of what that church was like, you can look at Acts two forty-two to 47. Amazing things were happening in that church. And I would guess that had there been video available back in that day, you would have heard some of the very same things from the members of that church, which, by the way, was also a megachurch. Uh, thousands of people came to Christ in one day on the day of Pentecost. And you would have heard some of these things being said about that church. And so, the very first question I want us to look into this morning is how how do we get into the church in the first place? How does a person uh, go from not being a believer? I've made that journey. How do you go from not being a believer to being in the church and then ultimately becoming a church family member? In other words, and you can write this question down one of the first questions we need to address is how does someone become a Christian? You know, God doesn't desire that you go through life alone. In fact, just the opposite. God knows for all of us that we need to be connected and we need to be encouraged by others. And at times we need to be stretched and challenged by others. Even in the perfect world of the garden, it was said of Adam, it's not good for this man to be alone. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. God, part of the wonderful blessings of the redemption that Christ has won for us at the cross is he's given us family. He's giving, given us community. We're going to talk about this this morning. But for many people in this church, at Crosswalk Church, they're beginning that journey here either because they've never been a Christian before or because they were a Christian a long time ago. They, they were maybe brought up in church with their parents, but then it, it slipped away from them for whatever reason. And, and so they're asking themselves, how do I restart that journey? And there might be all kinds of motives for doing that. One of, the, one of the big ones that we often see here at Crosswalk with so many young families is, I want my children to know something about God. And so they come, and, and they see our wonderful Crosswalk Kids program, and then they start to come, and something happens. And, and so how does, what is happening in that? What, what's going on in, in, in a person's heart and mind? That's the, the question that we're asking when we're asking, how does someone become a Christian? So let's take a look at that early church in the book of Acts, and, and see what's going, what was going on there. And I think we'll find some answers to this question. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So this is right in the middle of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the story of the church after Christ's death and resurrection It virtually begins with the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the apostles. And many, many, like I said a moment ago, thousands of people become Christ followers in a single day on that day of Pentecost. But what we also see happening and developing in the book of Acts is that while there's this wonderful track over here that so many blessings and people coming to Christ and miracles happening, there's a simultaneously a second track running in which there's a lot of hurt and pain and persecution. The, the, Jews, the Jews of Jesus' day uh, were concerned that, that this Christianity thing was a cult. And that, that attack that caused Jesus' death on the cross... That continued even after Jesus died and rose again, only it switched onto the apostles, Peter and John. And there was a certain man, Pastor Dan talked about him several weeks ago, named Saul, who later is converted himself and becomes the Apostle Paul, who directed many of these t- attacks against the church. And all of these attacks culminate with the singling out of a very important church leader of that day, a man named Stephen, who was just filled with the Holy Spirit, doing, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, great work, reaching out. And the Jews centered their attack on him and ultimately surrounded him, and he was murdered. They stoned him to death. That was an ancient custom of the Jews when they were feeling that a person was trying to lead people astray they would surround him and they would grab big rocks and throw them at a person until he was dead that's what happened to stephen whom we now know as the very first christian martyr when this happened in the, in the in the 8th chapter of the book of acts it says that a great persecution broke out against all the christians that that became like a spark on a bunch of dry tinder And the persecution began to spread very rapidly. Now, three chapters later, it talks about what happens with the people as they're being persecuted and threatened every day in the city of Jerusalem. Many of them said, let's get out of here. And so they were scattered, and they were scattered far. They were scattered to places like Phoenicia, hundreds of miles to the north along the Mediterranean coast, Cyprus, an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, and Antioch, which was then the third largest city in the Roman Empire. You had Rome, largest city. You had Alexandria in the north of Egypt, second largest city. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire of its day. So, of course, people went there because there was a lot of economic opportunity there. If, you, if you're going to get chased out of your home, at least go somewhere where you think you can rebuild your life. And furthermore, even prior to the persecution, there was a large group of Jewish people that had gone there to settle. These This particular group, which we're going to distinguish from a second group, were mainly homegrown Jewish people who had come to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, had had become convinced that all those Old Testament prophecies that had been delivered for hundreds of years pointed to Jesus Christ. And therefore, they converted from Judaism to Christianity. They became Christians, but they had grown up their entire life as Jews. And so, of course, they didn't immediately switch their whole entire lifestyle. And when they moved to Antioch, do you notice what it says? When they tried to convince people to trust in Jesus, to whom alone did they give their message? To their fellow Jews. They spread the word about Jesus Christ only among the Jews. Have you ever noticed in in your life, maybe also reading the Bible, that, that God will use the craziest things sometimes to get his message out there? We, we, this is a story that gets repeated almost weekly, if not daily, at Crosswalk, where people have crazy things happen in their lives, and sometimes they're painful things. I can't imagine that persecution was anything but painful, being forced to leave your home, being forced to to move to a place that maybe you knew nothing about. And remember, they weren't just going to catch a flight to Antioch. This was a long walk with maybe a cart filled with all of their belongings on it, all of their earthly possessions, having to figure out how how to feed their children, who I'm sure were unhappy baking in the hot sun as they went, and they make this long journey. Maybe they have to get on a boat to go to the island of Cyprus. This is tough stuff to make this move. And yet, at the end of all of this tough stuff, there's an opportunity to share the Word of God with people they are at least familiar with, if they don't know them personally, that they're familiar with them. Have you ever had that happen? Just this last week, and I'm not, a, I'm not allowed to share the personal things that go on in, in growth groups, so I'm not going to share anything specific, but let me just say that just this past week, in the men's growth group that happens at my house, there were several men who recently have gone through some very tough experiences in their lives. And then there were other men who were coming into the group for the first time. And, it, and, and I'm sure while these, this first group of guys had been going through whatever their tough experience was, they were like, Lord, why, why are you doing this? Why am I being persecuted like this? What, what's going on in my life? You're God. Why don't you put an end to this? And I am also sure that last Tuesday night, some of this first group of men, when they had a chance to share their experience of the Lord with this second group of men coming in new to the group and also in the middle of their pain and, and, and being able to share how the Lord led them through to a better place and protected and gave them peace through all that, I'll bet these men said, you know what? There was a purpose to that. God God gave me that experience, and now I have a chance to share his love and his grace and his forgiveness with these guys. And that's how it works. And that's what we see happening is so often it's through the pain in our lives that God drives us out to be able to share the gospel and to share Jesus with others. And that is so necessary. Do you see what Paul says? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? We, we live in a world, and Paul lived in a world, that there were millions of people that don't know who Jesus Christ is, much less know that God wants them to trust in him. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How does someone become a Christian? That's the question we're, we're asking. Well, it starts right here. It starts with a group of people, many of whom have been persecuted or hurt or gone through great pain in their lives. And, and God uses that pain to push them out into the world. To find other people who are in tension or transition or in trouble and say, here's how God helped me. Here's how a loving God guided me through my tension, my transition, my trouble. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? We, all of us, are the preachers of this gospel. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So here's what I want you to write down. God uses sometimes the craziest things to get the church moving. And to get us as Christians to do those three things that God wants all of us to be doing. Connecting with each other. Encouraging one another. And stretching and challenging one another. That's a theme that you're going to hear me say several times today. We are meant to connect and encourage and stretch one another. Now, what happens when people, for whatever reason, sometimes churches just send missionaries. You saw several slides where Crosswalk has sent missionaries to Thailand, to Malawi. And and in a very organized way, churches will just say the world needs to hear the gospel. And sometimes it seems kind of random, as it did here, where there was just this huge persecution. The church did not organize this. God himself just personally pushed people out into the world, driving them through this persecution and pain to places where they could share more about Jesus. There's even a famous early Christian father who said it like this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So often, as we go through troubles and we bleed in our lives, that becomes seed for, for others to hear about Christ. Not everyone who hears the message believe it. Romans 10, 16, and 17 says, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? The, Paul is going back hundreds of years and saying, even when the prophets were preaching about the coming Christ directly to the people of Israel, they were not listening. Consequently, and this is so important, I want you to underline these words faith comes from hearing the message. How does someone get to be a Christian? Someone gets to be a Christian when they believe and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And how do you get that faith? Paul answers it so clearly here. Faith comes from hearing the message. And then he concludes with this. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Double underline that last phrase. If you single underlined, faith comes from hearing the message, I want you to double underline. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Here's why. We have to be really really clear what the church's message is. If you think about 10 years of Crosswalk, we we have worked very very hard to stay clear about what the message of the church is. And in today's world, there's a lot of confusion about what the message of the church is and what it should be. I will tell you that if you listen to what it says on the news or popular television, radio programs on the internet, you will not, when you will not hear the church very frequently connected with Jesus what you will hear the church connected with is doing good in the world. Learning how to be better people. Learning values that can help you get through life and be stronger. And and certainly the church's message has something to do with that, but if that becomes the core message of the Bible And if that becomes the core message of a church, then we're completely missing the target. Because clearly, as we look at this early church, what what made them the kind of church that you'd, you'd have seen those people saying those same things as was on the video was their message was a message about Christ. The church's message is is at times, yes, it's about values and how we can live a more wise life. But all of that falls into a category of a teaching in the Bible we call the law, which is what to do and what not to do. And, And God's main purpose in putting the law in the Bible was not to teach us how to live a better life so that we could be more pleasing to him and therefore have a better relationship with him, which sadly so many people believe that's what the church's message is. It is not. The real purpose that God put the law in the Bible for was simply this, to hold it up as a mirror to cause you to say, I just can't do this. I I, I don't have the strength to keep on obeying these commandments day after day after day. I, I can't summon it inside my own heart to put God first constantly and to love my neighbor as as I love myself constantly. And that's because, as we said to little Amelia down here, we're all born as sinners. And that sin keeps dragging us backward and downward. And because of that, trying to live up to the law and earn our own way back to God or work our own way back to God is just flat-out tiring. And ultimately, more than tiring, it's impossible. And that's why it's so important that we understand that the true message of the church is Jesus Christ and what he's done for us how he's died for us to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that all our sins are gone. How we don't have to work at getting back close to God because we already are in Christ close to God. He has reconciled us. He has given us that family relationship that we all yearn for with God, making God our father. It's a gift from him. And it's already a done deal because of his death and resurrection. It's a done deal. Deal And when we take christ and and move him to the side what we 're doing is we 're taking the wonder and the and the amazement out of the church to think that an eternal God would love you and me that much that he would come down into this world to redeem us, to rescue us, to bring us back to the Father and make us one with him again, to restore our relationship with him. And that has been for the past 10 years the message of Crosswalk Church. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. The message is heard through the word about Christ. Notice that's exactly what those Christians did in Acts 11. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. Now, why did they begin to speak to Greeks and the others? Notice where they were from. These Christians were not from Jerusalem. They were originally from the very island that they were going back to. They were from Cyrene, uh, a, a place in North Africa. These are Christians who had been Jews, but had not grown up in the Jewish stronghold of Jerusalem. They were Jewish Christians who had grown up in places where every day, what had they had to do? Rub shoulders with Gentiles. Now, if if you've grown up always a Christian, always gone to Christian schools, went to Christian kindergarten, you went to Christian elementary school, you went to Christian high school, you went to Christian college, it's not a bad thing. But you probably will end up feeling a little bit more like that first group of people. The very first people that you'd want to go share the message of Christ with is people that have grown up in it just like you have. And that's who you're used to talking to, and it's a little bit frightening to talk to people who haven't grown up with it their whole life. But if you're like this second group of people, you're you're like, well, these are the people I do business with every day. And I understand we don't share faith, but we... You know, we live. there are my neighbors. I, I, when I go to the, the market, that's who I deal with. If I'm sick, my doctor's not likely to be a Jewish person. And so you're, you've already become used to dealing with these people. They're your friends. They're your neighbors. And so you're going to go and share with them. And that's exactly what happened here. They began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about... Jesus Christ. Not not the commandments. Not the crosswalk values, which are beautiful. We post them on those very nice banners out there. But what they shared was Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. Which, by the way, takes us right back to the Great Commission. Where, in just a moment, we'll read it. And you'll notice that it says... And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And that's exactly what happened. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So how does a person become a Christian and become a family member? That's what happens. When you become one who trusts in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is by definition a Christian. When you become a Christian immediately you also become a brother or sister in Christ to other Christians. And that all happens when you hear the good news and trust what the good news has to say, the good news about Jesus Christ. So we write this down. The good news leads people to turn to the Lord. So this good news about Jesus Christ is being preached and it's being taught all driven by this persecution that has scattered these Jews outside of Jerusalem. And people are becoming Christians and they're becoming, they're becoming part of a, a family, a gathering. There's a church forming in Antioch. Hashtag church, hashtag Antioch church. And what happens immediately after that? News of this reached the original church, the one in Jerusalem. And they hear about this, and what do they do? Let's connect with these people so that we can encourage them and stretch them. And they they begin to say, we we need to organize this and, and make sure that they're being fed the right stuff and pointed to Christ. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch when he arrived and saw that the grace, what the grace of God had done. Notice, not the law of God had done, not what Moses had done, not what the commandments had done, but what God's grace and forgiveness had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man. This is Barnabas. His very name means son of encouragement. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What did he do? What did this local church in Jerusalem do by sending Barnabas? They connected, they encouraged, and they stretched. Notice what he says. Remain true to the Lord with all your hearts. Flip the page. So so when I think back on the last 10 years of Crosswalk and what I'm so grateful for, it is just this, that God by his grace has allowed us to take that same good news message to the people of this community, Levine in South Phoenix. And to point people to the cross and to point people to the grace, the mercy, the peace that only comes through knowing that your sins are forgiven. That eternal life is yours as a free gift. That you have a new identity, destiny, purpose, possibility, and community. These are things that that only Jesus Christ can give us. And these are things that Jesus Christ does give us and has given you and 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 so, one of the things i 'm most grateful for is just the, the God has left the amaze in this church, and what I mean by he's left the amaze is what amazes truly is only Jesus and I pray that for the next ten years, that amazing thing, that amazing person called Jesus will remain right here with us and he will continue to be the core and the center of everything that we're doing just like he was in this book of Acts because you see the local church is an integral part of God's plan to share Christ with the world. I want you to write this down. The local church is God's plan for reaching those who don't follow Christ and teaching those who follow him already. Reach and teach. That's what we're here to do. That's what that Jerusalem church did. Oh there's some people who are becoming Christ followers in Antioch let's go up there and and help the people there who are reaching we want to help them reach too and let's teach let's really make sure and that by the way is exactly what Jesus had said we're supposed to be about The Great Commission is called Matthew 28. It's the next passage. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We're to reach. Go, he says. You circle the word go and right next to it, reach. That's our job. That's Christ's command to us as church. Go, make disciples. But then he he doesn't leave it there, does he? He says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. He references baptism, one of the sacraments there. He's basically saying, take this book, take the word. Take the, the portion that's called the law and confront people with it. Speak truth into their lives. Help them to see whether they're on the right path or not on the right path. And then, when they do see, because you're holding the mirror of God's law up to them, that they need a Savior, then point them to Christ. Their Savior, their Rescuer, their Redeemer. Point them to Christ again and again and again. And then do as we did with little Amelia this morning baptize, washing sins away. What does Barnabas do? Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. There are so many people coming in need of teaching, in need of baptism, in needing uh, the Lord's Supper that Barnabas goes, probably after he's pulled a lot of his hair out, we need more staff in this church. And he takes a break from doing, which is very hard to do. But he takes a break from doing And he goes to Tarsus and says, let's get some more help here. And he brings Paul, formerly Saul, which is what he's still called in this passage. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. As they're being flooded with people into this church, what are they doing? reaching and teaching reaching and teaching and what are they teaching the gospel the good news about jesus christ the disciples were first called were called christians first at antioch so write this in by delivering word and sacrament the local church gets to reach and teach others with the good news and why is that why why is it that, that Paul and Barnabas are just doing this, reaching and teaching constantly? It, there's only one thing. They knew one thing. It's important for you to know. God is not satisfied for you to remain his acquaintance. I want you to hear that loud and clear. It is so easy for us in today's world. I am sure it was easy for the people of Antioch too. This was a city not very different from Phoenix, Arizona. There was a lot of crud going on in this city. In fact, when Rome started to go bad, the Roman citizens referenced the river that flowed through the middle of of Antioch. It was called the Orontes River. I don't know what it's called today, but in that day it was called the Orontes River. And then they referenced the river that flows through the middle of Rome, which is called the Tiber River. And when, when everything was starting to go to hell in a handbasket in Rome, you know what they said? They blamed the people of Antioch, and they said the waters of the Orontes are beginning to flow in the Tiber. That was their way of saying the massive bad morality of Antioch has moved here to Rome. This is not a place that if you were a strategic Christian, you would go, let's go there because there are going to be a lot of people receptive to this message. It wasn't like that. This was probably in many ways the last place that a strategic person would go to because the assumption would be these people don't want to hear about God. But look what's happening. Because the Holy Spirit is moving out through the power of the gospel. And so they're, they're, they're teaching and they are not allowing the people to just take a tiny step in and say, you know what, if you just go to church, that's okay. For many of us, even in today's world, and I, you know, take this in the kindest possible way. It is enough to go to church. In fact, for many people in today's world, that's a huge pat on the back. I go to church regularly. But as you're going to see in this passage, God wants so much more for you than to simply go to church. What he really wants for you to, to do is be the church. Because in being the church, you are being his family. And that's what God wants. He wants you to be his son, his daughter. And and when we stop at going to church, we stop at being an an acquaintance with God. And how does does that work? Have you ever met someone that you thought, man, I'd, I'd love to be a friend with that person. They seem like an awesome person. And yet there seems to be like a wall there. That you can 't push through, and I wonder how often we put that wall up to God, and we we stay at the at the that acquaintance level that what we would call here at crosswalk the guest level and and, and so you just sort of just you 're a guest at crosswalk for a long, long time, and you never get to the point where you 're making friends and you become a friend of Crosswalk, and and your language changes a little bit at that point, usually. The guest says, your church. The friend, and then ultimately, the family member, his language changes. To the church, if you're a friend, or our church. And then finally, when you become a family member, you start to say, what? My church. See, that's, that's what God wants for us. He wants for you to meet him through the church. Go back to the top of the, the page. The local church is God's plan for you, that God would reach you and teach you. And why he wants you to be a family member. Look at Ephesians 2, 17 to 20. He, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who are far away. I don't care how far away you were, how bad of a sinner you are. It doesn't matter to God. He preaches peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. God wants to bring us together with the Father, make Him, our Father. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, outsiders, guests, acquaintances, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, your family. This is what God wants for you, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Jesus wants his church to reach and teach because he wants everyone to become family. One of the things I am most excited about in this series as I wrap up is that hashtag church is not just going to be the title of a message series. From this point forward, and I want you to hear this really clearly, because I'm inviting every last one of you to engage yourself in this. If there is one practical thing I'm hoping will come out of this series, the next three weeks is that, Every last person in this church, even if you were, and we still have people who are here in that little group, that slide, 25 people that helped us get started. If you're one of those people, I want you to sign up for this. And if you're anyone after that, if you're new, if you've been here for a while, sign up. Because hashtag church is not just a message series. It is a new ministry at Crosswalk that will go on. And this ministry is designed to help you go from being a guest here at this church and in your relationship with God to becoming a friend within this church and a friend with God to becoming a full family member within this church and with God. And once a month, this is where it gets very practical, we are going to hold an event on the first Sunday of every month, beginning in the month of November, that will be called the hashtag church event. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I am asking you to go to one of the very first hashtag church events, because there you're going to meet people who help you personally, individually, in your journey, in your steps. And and we're going to use a metaphor for that. It's like Where are you in your journey at crosswalk? Are you on the patio, that front patio, knocking on the door? Which would mean you're a guest. Are you in the living room? That's the place where we often bring our friends and sit down and chat with them. Or are you in the kitchen? That's where the family members gather. Where are you on your journey at crosswalk? Hashtag church is going to help you identify that. And then help you identify what's my next step so that I can go from being just an acquaintance to being a friend to being a family member. Now, I want you to stress these people out. I want all you people going in there. I want them to be pulling their hair out and going, Why did Jeff say that? Like, this is overwhelming. There's too many. That's what I want. I do not want this hashtag church team on this first Sunday in November twiddling their thumbs with nothing to do because everybody said, that's not for me. No, it's for you no matter how long you've been here, no matter whether you are an acquaintance, a friend or a family member at this church, no matter whether you're knocking on the door at the patio in the living room or in the kitchen. You know why it's for you? Because there's no one here, including myself, that doesn't have another next step that they could take in their relationship with the Lord. We all have a next step that we can take. And in the next two weeks, we're going to develop this very idea of, am I a guest, a friend, or a family member in this church? Am I on the patio, in the living room, or in the kitchen? And what do I need to do to take my next step at this church? Because in doing that, we want to fulfill what Christ wants to fulfill. Draw you fully into the family and not have you simply going to church. But much, much, much more important, have you being the church and being God's family. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, We thank you so much for the message of the gospel. This is the core message. This is Jesus, your son, is the last 10 years of Crosswalk Church. And and the the first prayer of gratitude that we pray for the past 10 years is simply that Jesus has walked with this church as he promised in the Great Commission, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, help us to, to keep that that amaze in our church by keeping Jesus in our church and and help us to just love the fact that he has forgiven us, graced us, strengthened us to live a new life, promised us everlasting life. There is no better message in the world than the message of Jesus. And as we go forward in the next 10 years and beyond, help us keep Jesus at the very heart and core of everything that we do and his grace. Now, Lord, I pray that today will be just a, a great celebration of all that you've done for us and of all the wonderful people that you've drawn to this church. I'm so grateful to be the pastor. I love these people, Lord, as you first loved them. Now, Lord, help us all to love each other as you want and to truly be family, to be the church and not simply be people who are church. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Today's message is really pretty simple. God wants you to be family. He wants you not to just go to church, but be the church. And for that to happen, you have to connect with the church. And the church has got to connect you with a simple thing, the message, the message about Jesus Christ. You connect with the gospel, you connect with Jesus, you connect with Jesus. You connect with God and all of God's family, a.k.a. the church. Let me send you out into the week with the Lord's blessing. We're celebrating the the 10th anniversary out on the patio. There's a big cake. Don't y'all rush out there to get some, but there'll be some out there for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. If you have prayers, stay right here. The prayer team will be down. I look forward to seeing you out on the patio.